What's up, Tarhead? Let's do this shit. You ready, Veronica? I am so excited. I've been waiting so long to talk about Tar. I mean, just the depictions of cancel culture kid plan shit is, has never been better. This is like the movie but, of but, our wait, time. Veronica, what are you talking about? We're here to talk Tar. Yeah, Tar. The Todd Field drama about a disgraced orchestra conductor. Veronica, no, not Lydia Tar. We're talking tar, avatar. That's what all my Pandora heads call it. Oh, damn it. Guess you're going back to the theater. Oh, no. It's even longer than tar. Tar, tar. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's a tutu in Navi. Navi. Living Navida Loca. Is that anything? Roll the song. say roll the song to me editing it (laughs) or maybe you i don't know um hey everybody does does it sound different in here do you think this sounds different Uh, i mean maybe maybe it sounds better maybe it sounds worse maybe Uh, ladies and gentlemen if you're noticing any uh, slight alterations in how we sound this is our first in-person episode since our worst and best of the decade episode (laughs) in january 2020 We are actually in the same room. So exciting. Same room, same city, same state, same time zone. It's crazy. It is incredible. We are uh, bravely sharing our germs and (laughs) we are not in two different cities. It is wild. But you know what? We had to do that. Because in 2009, there was no Zoom. No. There was just a spaceship zooming off to Pandora. Wow. What a segue. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to do it right. We're getting back like 2009. I just graduated, let's say high school. (laughs) (laughs) We're here to talk Avatar, but who are we? Hi, I'm John Bershad. I'm Veronica Yarovsky. And this show is Box Office Time Machine. The show where we talk about the number one movie at the box office, either from this previous weekend or... For every future weekend, as it <laughs> controls the box office for all of history, as the cultural juggernaut that it deserves to be. Veronica, what are we talking about this week? Uh, Avatar, colon, the way of water. The way of water. Now, let's start right there, Veronica. What, what would you say is the way of water? I don't know. The way of water is mysterious. Water doesn't start. Water has no end. <laughs> Water is there before you are born. Water is there after you die. Water! (laughs) I was very curious if you remembered that monologue said twice in the movie. Um, You had it turn into a a musical number at the end, which I don't believe Kiri, the 14-year-old girl played by Sigourney Weaver, does. (laughs) But, you know, wait, no, 
That's not who said that monologue. Who said that monologue? Was it Kiri or was it? I thought it was Kate Winslet. Could it not have been Kate Winslet? I don't. I because they are the water people. Was it maybe the other teen girl who gets an Ursula Andress uh, coming out of the beach uh, oh, sexy shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in sexy. I'll, I'll say this. I think I think we may have a difference of opinion on the today's podcast. So I'll say right off the bat, the one shot that I truly did not like was the 14-year-old blue cat girl getting up in her like weird bikini as the camera lingers on her CGI body. Well, all of that was so bizarre. It was like James Cameron saying, hey, look at this hot thing I made. Well, I, Let's ogle at this hot CGI thing I made. It's a weird thing. It's like, I mean, it's, it's a typical, we're seeing it from the teen boy's perspective, and we're supposed to be like, ooh, he's got a little crush. But it's also <laughs> film language... She's like, you would never do that in a regular teen movie if you had like a 14-year-old actress like drench her down in a bikini. It would be so weird. It, it, for one moment, did feel like we were watching a a hentai schoolgirl porn (laughs) with the budget of the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. (laughs) Yeah. But let's, uh, uh, this will be interesting. Let's start uh, uh, with this. Veronica, what's your history with tar? Uh, oh, boy. Uh, so I don't really have... Well, so I was at Comic-Con in 99 uh, or 2009 when it had a panel. Really wanted to get in, could not get in. Then they released some IMAX footage, I think it was 20 minutes of mm. Avatar. Was very excited, was first in line to see that. Saw that and was like... Yeah, I've had about enough. I don't need to see the movie, and I've never seen the movie. And really, so you've never seen Avatar two thousand nine? No, I you're... have no interest in it whatsoever. If and we go by the box office, I believe you're the only, only person on planet Earth. <laughs> That's true. So I've never seen it, and I'm only forced to see it <laughs> for this podcast. I have no interest in this. You still have not seen the first movie? No. No, I think that that that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, when I, uh, what about those twenty minutes turned you off? It was just like, and I think this movie is kind of like that too. The, it's visually very interesting, but there's nothing about the story or the storytelling that is compelling to me. And also, I just I just find like CGI spectacles kind of off putting and hard to engage with on a ro- emotional connection level. I guess. All right. (laughs) Well, uh, my history with Avatar is in 2009. um, Again, I'm graduating from definitely high school. Middle school. (laughs) You know what? It was probably middle school. (laughs) And a bunch of my buddies were home from um, middle school. (laughs) Uh, And we went to see the movie. And I remember remember thinking, yeah, that that was pretty cool. Um, that was that was kind of it. That's really all I thought. I was like, that was fun. Um, talked about how the 3D was cool. Very quickly got sick of it in every other movie that I saw it in, except for Jackass 3D and Piranha 3D. The only movies that used it well. Jackass 3D <laughs> shot paintballs at the camera, and Piranha 3D spit Jerry O'Connell's disembodied penis at the camera. <laughs> the only things worthwhile of the late aughts, early teens 3D boom. Um, although even then, James Cameron used it very differently. Oh uh, no, no severed penises. No, well, screen. no. Avatar actually, the first Avatar, 
all the Navi get their... That's why they don't have dicks in this movie. Oh. In the first one, Stephen Lang bites all their penises off. Wow. That's why they hate him so much. Man, maybe I should watch it. And it's it's a race where even the even the women have penises. Whoa. You really missed a lot. Yeah, I mean, none of that came across in the way of water. You totally missed the scene where Zoe Saldana has her dick bit off. Um, but I, so that was in two thousand nine, and like most people, I saw it and went cool, and kind of moved on. I did not have post Pandora depression. <laughs> I did not tattoo uh, myself blue. I did not name my children Jigsuli. Um, <laughs> I kind of moved on. Then in 2012, no, gosh, wow, way after. In 2019, was the next time I thought about Pandora, was when I was in Florida visiting my grandparents. And my girlfriend at the time and I went to, uh, I forget what the park is called, the World of Pandora, whatever the fuck they call it's it. It's in Animal Kingdom, right? In Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Um, and they have two rides. Uh, and this, this we had the real technological advancement that has really actually changed the world of Pandora. Because by 2019, um, uh, there were more readily uh, available uh, weed edibles. <laughs> um, so my girlfriend at the time and I got real high, went to Pandora World, went on the two rides, the one that's kind of lame, and the one that fucking rules. And I remember we walked out. And my girlfriend at the time just said, well, I guess I'm an Avatar fan now. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt. Um, and so I was excited to go into this. Um, had a long talks with friends, trying to remember the plots, trying to figure <laughs> out what strength of edibles to take. Um, and then we headed in. I saw it uh, shortly before I left L.A. to come back here for the holidays. And uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> We're up to date. (laughs) Um, That was a lot of detail, John. Thank you so much. Well, well, I guess the weird thing is, it's tough because I'm going to be much. I'm much more positive about this movie, but as often happens on this show, I find it much more interesting to talk about the things that I don't like. Um, I think this movie. Visually and technologically, unsurprisingly, is incredible. Genuinely incredible. It looks incredible. You didn't see it in 3D like a fucking weirdo. Um, I don't like 3D. (laughs) I saw it in 3D. I hate 3D, but the 3D looks great. I don't know how he does it different. Uh, I don't think I saw it with the higher frame rate. I don't remember. But I saw it in the 3D. That looks great. The characters look incredible. I just forgot that, you know, you just forget you're watching like an animated movie um, tech, the, the action sequences are filmed as breathtakingly as James Cameron always films action sequences. It is all great. I like the new world. If the storytelling, if the character, if the character arcs actually had arcs, then I think this would be one of the great blockbusters of our age. Unfortunately, the character arcs have beginnings and ends and no middle. And that really holds it back. Cut five minutes of whale uh, cycle of life educational footage and give me five minutes of character conflict and dialogue. And I know some people, including James Cameron, only give a shit about the whale cycle of life stuff. So that's kind of the impasse we're at. 
Yeah, I I also am one of those people because all the humans, or I guess not humans, but I guess like bipedal creatures mm. were so fucking boring. And I'm, the whales were cool. At least like the whales were interesting and unique. Uh, I, I think, yeah, like all the like the flora and fauna that he created is very beautiful to look at. And as you say, you do kind of forget that you're watching an animated movie. But it's just, yeah, like I don't think it's even about character arcs. It's just everything about it from a storytelling perspective sucks. Like the characters are boring. I don't really understand anyone's motivations to the extent that they have any. And they speak in, like, the cliches you find on, like, doilies and, like, resort towns. <laughs> it's like, who, like, how can someone be, five people wrote this movie. Five people, probably more. Five are credited. It's like, it's insane that a movie with such, like, high artistic aspirations in terms of technology invests zero in actually, like, properly telling a story. It's astounding to me. That that those five people include the married screenwriting duo of Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, who mm. wrote the uh, um, Dawn of the Planet of the. Uh, they wrote all three. Oh, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, which, if you haven't seen, I would say is genuinely one of the best. Uh, I haven't seen the first since the theaters, but the second two I watched a couple years ago. Talked about it on the pod. Um, they're excellent and they do have fascinating characters and fascinating stories in addition to truly incredible visual effects uh, there being the whole creation of the apes um, <clears throat> they're great at this exact kind of movie I didn't realize they co-wrote it but I was thinking of those movies a lot I I don't find the characters as boring I really do think it is a lack of arc but what like what is interesting about Jack Sully like from this off, movie, his that name is Jake Veronica. Whatever. <laughs> what is interesting about Zoe Zaldana character? Like no, she gets nothing to do in this one. Why is Kate Winslet in this movie? Like I had to like I recognize her based on her voice. Her character does zero interesting things. Like I, why? Why are any of these people in this movie? I have answers to those three questions. Uh, Jake Sully is an everyman dope who is grow growing up. And yes, he's not the most exciting character, but he's just like a, an out-of-his-depth dad in this movie, which is fine. Kate Winslet is in this movie so she could do more things in the sequel, Ugh. including win a Guinness World Record for the most longest underwater dive shot or something they filmed for the next one. And your question of what does Nate Terry do, my answer is nothing. You're right. That's a huge problem in the movie. <laughs> Nate Terry does absolutely... This is every scene that Nate Terry has in the movie. Jake Sully goes... We gotta go to climb the mountain to save our people. And Nateri sits there silently watching him say this. He says this to the family. Then they walk away and she goes, Jake Sully, I don't think we should climb the mountain. <laughs> and he goes, but we have to. And that's the end of the scene. Yeah, it it sucks. <laughs> but like, here, talking about like, this is what I'm talking about with uh, uh, character arcs not having beginnings, uh, not having middles. Like, there is the beginning of a story about her having tension with um, Kate Winslet's character. We see at the beginning, they do not like each other. Then at the end, they have a grudging respect. 
what happened in the middle there's one scene where she begs kate winslet to do like medicine woman shit on her uh daughter um because her daughter is uh, actually a a 71 year old woman <laughs> <laughs> i don't okay i will ask you to explain to me what's happening there <laughs> I, will, I will get to the whole the curie of it all but like okay so this is a movie about fa- a family it's it's, it's probably more about Jake and Natiri's kids than it is about them. But oh, yeah. they are a married couple, and James Cameron has talked about how oh, the Marvel superheroes, um, they just act, everyone acts like they're, in, they're college students. Like, these characters have grown up and they have kids. And fucking defensive Marvel fans, <laughs> he's right. He's got a point there. But... I don't he doesn't, think he improved on he that. He doesn't stick the landing. <laughs> because there is a clear conflict between these two parents. They both have the same goal. They have the same goal. They want to protect their family. But they have different viewpoints of how to do it. She thinks they stay and fight. He thinks they run and hide. And by the end, uh, they have... By the end, they have, you know, reunited due to the spoilers, death of their son... And he sees uh, the benefits of her perspective. But there's no middle. Where is the scene in the middle where they debate their viewpoints? Or their viewpoints show... Like, there's a part where he gives a a speech where they're going to run again. You know? After the whales start being killed. We should run a second time. And I was waiting for her to finally speak up and be like, No! We're not doing this. I'm not going to sit and listen to you anymore. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't fucking say anything. Well, John, do you want the movie to be four hours long? (laughs) Cut some whale shit. (laughs) I like the whales. But also, can we just go back to that? Like, the I don't understand the actual like, like what they're trying to achieve in this movie. These characters, so Uh they are going on a run because to the mall. They're going on a run (laughs) to the mall. No, so they're, uh, because uh, they're, you know, like, uh, I guess, United States Army forces that are trying to invade into their land, and they're like, okay, so we're going on a run because they're targeting me. But, uh, what's her face? Camilla, uh, Carmela Soprano, uh, Edie Falco. <laughs> Edie Falco. General Edie Falco. What a treat. No, that was fun. She says that the reason why they're here is to basically, like, uh, make this land habitable for humans so they can escape Earth. Jack Sully's leaving his tribe only just makes the job of Edie Falco easier because there's no one there to protect them. I don't understand how he's actually, like, what his goal here is. Like, it seems to be that, like, in the beginning, they very much said that they want to protect this land. Instead of actually protecting this land, this man goes on the run. Why? Like, that makes no sense. And then he's, like, going back. It's like, oh, okay, is anything left of it? Or, well, like, here's, did they already here's take over? Another, here's another scene that I would have added. You know, after he goes on the run, uh, Edie Falco has told resurrected Stephen Lang, who's now in a Navi body, she's told him that uh, you're here to kill the uh, insurrection leader who you trained. That's your job. You're killing Jake Sully. When Jake Sully leaves... Like, there should have been a scene where Edie Falco's like, all right, your mission's done. And Stephen Lang's like, no, I'm continuing after him. And she's like, this isn't a revenge mission. He's like, it's not revenge. I'm not that guy anymore. Because that's that's supposed to be his whole story. This is another one, like, his character has such an interesting setup. He is a clone 
of the villain of the first movie with his memories in a new body, but he doesn't want to, ex- he doesn't feel like he's that man. Mm. At the beginning oh. of the movie, he, see- he says repeatedly, I'm not that guy. And we get a really interesting thing in that he meets his son, who was introduced in a fucking comic book. I was losing my mind. I'm like, there was a baby in the first one? No, he was introduced in a fucking comic book. Uh, that character is the worst character. Okay, we, we can talk about we, we gotta talk about Spider, we gotta talk about Kiri. But um but like he uh it's really the idea of you okay, you're you're brought back to the dead and you're like you're like, hey, you're a clone. Your actual person died in battle. Like for him to be like, for him to be like, I'm not him. Fuck that guy. He's a loser. He lost. That's an interesting character. And then to meet his son, and because he has those memories, have an emotional attachment to his son. That's an interesting story. But again, we get a beginning and we get an end. Where is the scene in the middle where he's conflicted with whether or not he wants to admit that he's that man? We get one shot of him crushing his skull, which I like. It's an evocative shot of him finding his own corpse. Mm -hmm. But it's that kind of like, none of the characters have conflicts with each other, really. No. They just go from beginning to end. And that's really my complaint the whole way through. But the, the action is great enough. I still suggest you go watch it on the biggest screen possible. But hey, let's let's get to Kiri, Sigourney Weaver playing a teenage girl. What'd you think? Well, I didn't know it was her until I read it on Reddit. Really? No, I did. Well, I, yeah, I didn't understand any of it. <laughs> I was very confused about what her deal was because she's, she's Jack, Jake, Sully's daughter. But no, she's his adopted daughter. But yeah, he, uh, but I, because he just calls her daughter, which I think good adoptive parents should do. They shouldn't be like, hey, adopt a daughter. You want to be but, more like Royal Tenenbaum. <laughs> but, but it's like, for me as a, wa- as a viewer, I was like, so how, so like so she's Sigourney Weaver's child and someone else's unclear. Maybe it's an immaculate conception thing. Maybe she cloned herself because apparently you could do it. But yeah, it was just like, I, I I did not understand that it was actually Sigourney Weaver. I don't know what you're supposed to think it was, given like you've, if you've seen the first movie. But for me, I was just like, oh, okay. This like, movie I, does I, I didn't understand. Like I didn't understand how like in what ways she was unique or anything. Did you read a, a Wikipedia synopsis at least? No. Oh man, yeah. This movie does assume I had not. I mean, to be honest, like, there wasn't a ton that I was confused about. Okay, that's <laughs> like, good. That's fine. Um, I was really only confused about Spider because I thought I was forgetting something <laughs> for the first one. But no, as I, as far as I can tell, Kiri's thing is... So in the last movie, Sigourney Weaver's character, Grace, was killed. Mm. She's a, a human doctor. and But she was the head of the Avatar program where they put your minds in Avatar bodies. So she had an Avatar body. And they tried to put her consciousness in the body before she died, but they failed. And then at the end of the movie, they tried again with Jake and succeed. Um, Hold on. His body? Yeah, his human body. He's a human. No, I get that part. But, like, so he doesn't have a human body anymore? Not anymore. It died. Uh-huh. At the end of the last movie, he died, but they were able to transfer his consciousness into the Avatar. So he's Navi forever now. Cool. 
and they tried to do yeah yeah he's liking it um (laughs) they tried to do that with sigourney weaver but they failed however they kept her body or her avatar body around this is what appears they kept it around so it's just floating in its tank basically comatose there's no soul in it however it eventually became pregnant and gave birth to a girl and they kind of gloss over that because it's clearly a mystery for the rest of the series. This is in the movie? Yeah. That it kind of became pregnant and gave birth to a girl. I believe in Jack's narration. Jack. Now I'm doing it. In Jake's <laughs> narration, he says, um, and then there was Kiri who came one day, born from Grace's avatar. We don't know how it happened, oh. but we raised her as our own. Like, that's how much they gloss it over. But the thing is, in reality, okay. You're a bunch of scientists. You work in a lab. There is basically a comatose female body that doesn't move. One day, it's pregnant. Uh, those male scientists are being arrested for rape. Yeah. Like, at the very least, there's going to be an HR investigation, yeah. hopefully. Sorry, Norm. You're getting brought in for questioning. <laughs> um, they really had to gloss over it because like, if you think about it for more than five minutes, you'd be like, what the... F- who climbed into that jar <laughs> and fucked that 10-foot-tall body? Um, but uh, but presumably it'll be an immaculate conception thing, and she's like, Lady Jesus. Oh, yeah, that was another thing. At one point, Jake says like to his kid, he's like, Jesus, what are you doing? And I was like, are they familiar with the gospel? I, see, I that's like- the kind of thing I'd love to dig into more. What has Jake taught his... Well, I guess I gotta get by the fucking comic book. Yeah, I, I mean, it was interesting because, like, I think I'm not sure how much Navi they spoke in the previous movie, but I'm glad they didn't. Like, they did the thing where it's like, to me, it now all sounds like English, and I was like, thank you so much. Because, like, another thing that I was kind of uncomfortable with is the whole like kind of like fetishizing of indigenous cultures that was, has has been happening, which. I'm sure a lot of people got out of their system in the first Avatar, and I'm just, like, arriving at this. But it was just, like, the less they did that was... I was so happy. (laughs) Yeah, I... Two things there. (laughs) I did... I thought it was... I thought it was gracefully done. Um, uh, Not Grace, the dead lady in the jar. Uh, Gracefully done uh, how they... How they're just like, yeah, everyone kind of speaks the same language now. And they do it in a kind of a, a cute way. It works. Even Stephen Lang's character speaks Navi. I don't know when he would have learned that. Maybe he learned it in the first one. I don't know. That seems out of character for him. But whatever. Mm-hmm. It works. It makes the movie easier to watch. Um, yeah. That is... But the other thing you're talking about is one of the main issues with this series. Um... They are very much space Native Americans. Yeah. <laughs> played entirely by, uh, mostly by white people. And um, I mean, and not even people. necessarily Native Americans. Like, from all over. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you can see from sort of, like, Inca and, like, Aztec culture also happening. It's like, it's a mishmash of everything, yes. you know? It's just like, he, which is like, you know, I'm not, like, one of those people who is, like, a character like has to be played by like exactly the same like demographic actor like or mm-hmm. whatever but it's just like i think like the overwhelming 
just like that's all there is that's all we have and like for some reason Kate Winslet is doing like a weird accent and it's yeah it was just like it, that, it, she was just doing her mayor of Easttown Philly accent oh oh, oh sorry <laughs> sorry I totally forgot about mayor uh yeah it was just I don't know it was it was a bit uncomfortable uh to sit through I guess well I would I would say at the end of the day, James Cameron is a a boomer liberal through and through. Um, oh, for sure. He uh, loves he loves the environment, but also <laughs> makes the most technologically advanced movies of all time about it. He loves peace, but makes movies that are fifty percent war scenes. <laughs> and he loves diversity, but explores that through a kind of epcotized. Epco- all-purpose yeah. uh, uh, minority characters. This land is my land kind of situation. Yeah, you kind of just... <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I've seen people online. I've seen, you know, uh, articles written by um, by indigenous people who just, it is a bridge too far for this move, uh, for, for them, and that is totally fair, and I got no argument <laughs> argument in defense and maybe this series will continue to age worse and worse because of it. Um, well, that's like actually an interesting thing that I want to kind of talk about. So uh-huh. like we talked about how like you saw it in 2009. And when I was in elementary school. Yeah. And then kind of sort of forgot about it until, you know, your epic visit to Animal Kingdom. And I feel like that is sort of the experience of most people with this movie. It's like they saw it, gave it a billion dollars in the box office, and then this movie proceeded to have virtually zero cultural impact until the new one has come out. Like there have been obviously like parodies about blue people on SNL and about Papyrus and whatnot. But like it's kind of like it seems like – considering how much money it made across the world, it just feels like these movies, they come out, they make a big splash. Everyone wants to see what James Cameron is up to. Uh But then, like, no one really, like, gives them any second thought once they're, you know, out of theaters. I would say, here's the big difference. Um, You know, a few years ago, I was making the same argument. You know, that's uh, been the popular uh, criticism about Avatar for the past five years or so. I I think at the end of the day, it's really just the sequels didn't come out. Like, if you think about, like, let's say Iron Man, Iron Man 1. Let's say there wasn't a sequel and there was no MCU. Like, how much impact, like, in our day-to-day lives, would we be walking around being like, Whoa, dude, you're seeming like a real Tony Stark today. Okay, that, that's a Whereas, bad example. like, we do that now yeah. all the time due to the thousand Marvel movies. Well, when I'm hanging out with my buddy Elon Musk. Oh, boy. No, but I would argue, like, something like Inception. A okay, one-off that's a better movie. one, yes. Like... Do you talk about Inception that much? No, but I feel like it's still, like, people make references to Inception in, like, ways. And people do still talk about it and do still reference it way more than they do Avatar. I don't... I I think people... Uh, people uh, reference the concept of being incepted, and that is clearly a huge. It was a sticky enough concept uh, to use stupid <laughs> lingo. 
a sticky enough concept that people do talk about being incepted or inception, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, there's still memes that use it. I feel like there's zero Avatar memes. Are there any good Avatar memes? Uh, well, Avatar, I mean, first it ignited the 3D wave, for better or worse. Right. Worse, but primarily. I, but I just mean, like, in terms of, like, yeah, just, like, on Twitter, like, do you see memes that even have, like, screen grabs from Avatar or anything? No. And I, I think <laughs> I think that the characters... The character, I think that's what it is. Like, none of the characters are good. But how often <laughs> do you talk about Cobb from Inception? No, but, like, I think, like... I think there, maybe it's not the characters, you're right. I, I mean, I think like the characters in Inception still are better rounded than the characters here, but it's just, it seems like this movie is just, I don't know, we all go, we are, we all ooh and ah, and then we all move on. And, which I think is fine, but it just seems so out of step considering like how popular this movie is. I, I think its cultural impact is in the idea of this this world. The things that we remember are those news stories about people being depressed because mm. they couldn't see the movie anymore and they had to come back to the real world. We remember, you know, the silly look of the characters. The memes I see are mostly people making fun of bad Halloween costumes of people in Navi costumes. <laughs> Um, not costumes of costumes, whatever, you know what I meant. Uh, <laughs> thing is, like, in the months leading up to this, in, like, the comments section of every article about this, first off, every comment section was incredibly long. Tons of people were talking, and huge amounts of people were like, I'll never fucking see it. Fuck Avatar. I fucking hate it. And the thing is, you don't have that passionate a dislike from amount of people unless you've made a huge impact. Its impact was how big it was. Mm. And had there been... Like, we just don't really have anything else like that where there's such a big movie and a sequel does not come out two to three years later. So we don't see or or have a TV show or yada, yada, yada. I would guess, and I haven't really been following the box office, who knows how many more of these they'll make. Uh, they're definitely... The third one's definitely going to come out. Mm -hmm. Who knows if they'll get to the four or five, whatever... Oh, but I would wager when these things start coming out with regularity, you will see that impact you're expecting. There will be little children going to school with Avatar backpacks. Don't don't misinterpret me. I was happy that it had zero cultural impact. I don't want that. This is not the way. I don't need another bullshit Star Wars that I don't care about. <laughs> like... But I just want I just want James Cameron to be doing something else. I love James Cameron movies. Mm. Titanic used to be my favorite movie for like a decade, probably. Like I saw it ten times in the theater. I love Titanic. I love Terminator Two. I love Aliens. I love True Lies. Like he makes such fun movies with engaging characters with like funny dialogue. And why does he like? I don't know. It's just, it's almost like, you know, your dad has a midlife crisis or something like that and starts just tinkering with the trains or something. And you have to be like, <laughs> dad, you used to be fun to be around. You used to play softball with me. I don't know, whatever dads do. But it's just, I just want someone to pull him out of Pandora and like point him towards like, I don't know, human beings. <laughs> I, I, so I think, I, I think the character, what James Cameron's characters are like, 
is that they're always simple. They are simple, but at least like they're funny. There's some like T two was funny. Yeah. Like you know, even in Titanic, there are funny lines. Like here, it's just like such like I don't know, such like cheesy and cliched sincerity with like yes, the characters are still basic, but they have like zero of anything interesting to do or say. It's so sad. Look, I think Terminator 2 is one of the greatest movies also, of all like, time. Also, like, aliens, but, like, all, every character is a stock character, but, yes. like, they're doing interesting stuff with them. They're, here, there's nothing like I know, that. Well, that's the thing. I don't think the problem is the characters. I think the problem is what they do or, in this case, don't do with them. Yeah. I think it, this is a fine cast of stock characters. Well, I have one, one big problem. I mean, Sam Worthington fucking sucks. <laughs> I will say that. I have one problem. I think the two brothers are too similar. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't tell a, them apart that's for a, a while. One character is supposed to be a fuck-up, and one character is supposed to be the golden child, but we are introduced to both of them fucking up. Um, <laughs> twice the golden child in, like, two of his major interactions with Jake Sully is Jake Sully being like, you fucked up. That does not create a clear characterization of him being a golden child. Again, these are supposed to be simple. And spoilers, the only purpose of that character for the series going forward is to be a memory. So he should have been as good as possible. So for the rest of the series, everyone would be like, oh, boy, I miss Cedric Diggory, whatever the fuck his name is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, also, like, the thing with, I mean, this might just be a me problem. But I could not memorize any of the people's names. Even Here, without looking. Apparently. Without looking. Let's see how we do. No, there's no way. This is fun. I, okay. I don't we know. got Jake Sully. Yes. We got Nate Terry. Uh-huh. We got Miles Quartz. Quartz. He's the bad guy. Okay. I think Quartz. Quartz. Well, we got Spider. You remember Spider? Oh, God, Spider. We got Kiri. I remember Kiri. I think the youngest starter's name is Took. Yeah, Took. All right. Uh, I don't know. The it. fuck up son is, I think, named like Liat. Liat? I don't know. And I remember the, the good son's name sounded like Matea, but it wasn't that. It was like, you know, a, a fucked up version of that. It's like Latean or something. Latean. Um, uh, I don't remember the name of uh, uh, inappropriately sexy teen girl. Uh-uh. Um. I do not remember the name of Kate Winslet. No. I do not remember the name of Cliff Curtis. I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the names of any of like the expedition guys. Jermaine Clement. <gasps> oh, my God. I, I was like, what are you doing in this movie, Jermaine? What you, of course. Why would you? You would do this in a heartbeat, even hating this. If James Cameron was like, you want to be in the next one? You'd be like, fuck yeah, dude. I just like, no, it's more that I I don't resent him for taking a job. It's more it's just... You get, like, this very deadpan, funny New Zealand dude, and you make him be a drab marine biologist who drinks, who doesn't have a New Zealand accent for a reason that I cannot fathom, because everyone has different fucking accents in that movie. Jermaine's American accent is not great. Like, why does he have to be American? Make him a cool New Zealand dude. I just, like, again, he has the materials to do a lot with, the characters, because he has talented actors playing them, but he doesn't do anything. You know, I think, I think, uh, oh, my nose is all stuffed up. Good audio. Good audio. 
Um, I think the Jermaine Clement character is actually another is a perfect example because it's so simple. That is a simple character who could have an incredibly simple, quick arc because he's basically only in three sequences. Mm -hmm. So there's your beginning, middle, and end. We meet him. He is a scientist who's clearly hesitant about their space whaling operation, but he's working there anyway. In the middle, he says, yeah, these whales are smarter, probably even smarter than us. Uh, that's why I feel sad killing them. And then at the end, he sees the whale fight back and he presumably dies. That's it. Here's my tiny tweak. In the middle, don't have him say, the whales are smarter than us. Have him say, there's a theory that the whales are smarter than us, but I don't believe it. So then at the, in the third scene, when the whales fight back, he realizes, oh, it's been true the whole time. The thing he's been in denial about, the whales actually are fully sentient and smart. Then he feels, he feels really horrible about what he's done, and he kind of like willingly goes to his death. Mm-hmm. Boom. That, that character now has an arc. That is, doesn't add any scenes. You change two lines. And suddenly that character has a beginning, middle, and end. All right, John. Maybe you can be screenwriter five. Oh, no, six. On the next Avatar. There's still time. Avatar three. Get me in there. Get me in that room. <laughs> Get me in there. Get me up on uh, Pandora. All right. These characters' actual names are... I was right. Colonel Miles Quaritch. I mean, very much Colonel Kurtz, I assume. Kate Winslet plays Ronal. Cliff Curtis is Tonawari. Should we do like the basketball? Zendaya music? is <laughs> Michi. <laughs> you know when they introduce players. I was joking off a uh, internet video. Zendaya is not actually in this movie. Let's talk about Spider. Oh boy. You didn't like Spider. No. Why didn't you like Spider? Because Spider is like a caricature of Jungle Boy from like every. Yeah, from every other movie. Remember when Tim Allen adopts a kid from, like, Africa? Or no, he has a kid from Africa. I do remember that mostly because it's a fascinating thing. That movie is called Jungle to Jungle. Yeah, Jungle to Jungle. It is uh, is a remake of, I believe, a French film. Yeah, it's a French movie. Um, But here's the weird thing. Uh, The original is called Little Indian Big City. The weird thing is that Disney bought... Little Indian, Big City, and released both of them in America in the same year. Wow, that's great. The two versions of the same story, they both got terrible reviews. Well, I mean, they were kind of going by what you said should be happening with Avatar. Keep releasing them. Yep, make an impact. Yeah, if people are like, I want to go back. I want to go back to Africa or whatever this is. But I remember as a kid, um, this was 94, so I wasn't born yet. But later when I was watching old trailers. Uh, no, in 1994 as a kid, I remember seeing those trailers. And I saw both trailers because they were both on like Disney home videos. And then I would see Jungle to Jungle because they wrote it with the number. And I'm like, is it a sequel? <laughs> it Did was... another guy also knock up some... I probably didn't use the term knock up when I was seven years old. What are the odds of the same thing happening <laughs> twice to the same man? These businessmen gotta stop going to the jungle. Well, yeah. So I guess like to get back to your question, Spider is just... Yeah, I think he's just like... I don't know. I think the actor maybe is not great. I don't truly don't know. But all of this like jumping around, pretending to be kind of even though, yeah, I know he's not supposed to be like a monkey, but he's like sort of monkey ish 
kind of like Tarzan vibes. Just like and the hissing. Anytime any character hissed, I was like, what is happening? They're cat people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just like, I don't know. That character is so freaking silly. I There's so much that I like in concept for that character. I like the idea that, you know, I, I like the, the interesting sci-fi idea that he had to stay there because babies can't go in cryosleep. Mm-hmm. So when all the other humans left, he was trapped there. I like the idea that so he's been grown up with the Navi, so he acts like a Navi. I like the idea that he resents his humanity, you know, on uh, on just like a I'm a teenager and I'm different from everyone level. I <laughs> like the weird fetishy flirtation he has with Sigourney Weaver's character, who again is four feet taller <laughs> and being mocapped by a 71 year old woman. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I like the idea of him meeting his father. And I like the idea that Nate Terry doesn't trust him. I think that's interesting. I don't think any of these ideas are explored in a way that is it, it works. And I, I agree there is something weird about... it's. I don't think it's the actor's fault. This yeah. kid, he was like... They filmed it while he was like 13 through 18 and then had to delete all their footage from the first few years because he aged too quickly. Mm. Um, uh, like... I, I don't blame him. You're ta- you mentioned Terminator 2. John Connor has some dumb fucking quote-unquote teen dialogue in that movie. Sure. And the teen dialogue has not progressed. Um, <laughs> Spider calls multiple characters butthole. And like, I haven't been around teenagers in a while, but I, are kids still calling each other butthole? Maybe they do on Pandora. Maybe like they they still live in like an early ni- 90s slang. They're like, what, what, fam? You're a butthole, dab. Yeah. Oh, dab is way more recent. They have, they're not going to get dab for a decade. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I just found him so annoying. Every time he was on screen, I was like, I don't care about this. This is stupid. I, I sh- the, the Miles Quaritch story was like the one I was most interested in because I liked this idea of him not wanting to admit that he is this other person because he's a clone, but I was enjoying a story that I was filling in the gaps of because the movie was not really doing it. Yeah, I feel like you were filling way too many gaps because that was not even like a seed of a potential of a story that I saw in the movie. It was was interesting. He says, I'm not that guy. He pushes away the video of Biles at the beginning. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, but that more seemed to me to indicate that he's trying to tell it to himself even though he oh, knows in his head. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, and that's what I think is interesting. Right. And th- I just want one line where he's like, he's like talking to his soldiers and he's like, he's like, I'm not that guy. That guy fucking lost. Mm-hmm. And I don't lose. Then give me a scene where, where Edie Falco's like, are you going off on a revenge mission? No, because I'm not him. Then give me a scene where like, when they start losing in the final battle, his other soldiers want to go home. And he's like, no, no, I'm going after him. You know, get me, show me the old, the old character, grad, him fighting. Show me him fighting against his nature as the earlier version. Right. And then, like, we have the great ending. The great ending of that story, which is the most nuanced moment of the movie. Neytari has a knife to Spider's neck. And Miles, though he spent the whole movie denying that Spider is his son, saves him. Right. Which leads to Spider saving Miles. On a, on a, on a whiteboard, <laughs> if we had all these story beats, 
they're all fucking great. The connective tissue's not there. Yeah. Also, it just means that we're going to have to see more spider because he's now their son. A son for a son. Oh, that was my other huge movie. Here's my other big change. When Spider gets kidnapped, instead have it be that the family thinks he's dead. Because it was so fucking weird to me that a child has been kidnapped and no one talks about him. <laughs> they say, where's Spider? Oh, they took him. They took him. Don't worry. He's a tough kid. Okay, we'll never talk about him again. Jake... That's like your semi-adopted son. Right. <laughs> like later, they're like, they didn't talk to talk about him for like 50 minutes. And I kept leaning over to, I saw it with uh, Jared. And I kept being like, do they care about the child who is kidnapped? And there's a part where Sigourney Weaver is sad. And Jake's like, are you sad because Spider got kidnapped? And she's like, yeah, but that's not it. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? I thought you two were an item. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so just have it be that they thought he was dead yeah then at the end they could be like spider yeah but then they couldn't go and save spider and well they can when they because they see him when they get taken on the boat oh, right, so right. that could be when the kids realize he's alive and so they're like you know we gotta go save I also him. don't understand why he had to go with them like it is ostensibly so that they can have a translator but apparently Colonel Kurt speaks Navi so what is the point? Not well enough. <laughs> the point is so that they can have their father-son story. Of course, of course. But it's like, it's just like a lot of it is just, I don't understand. It's just like a lot of lazy stuff like that. Where it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, there's anything you can learn from this movie is that human beings are stupid and bad. Oh, of course. And, should be and more whales. like the whales who are Amish pacifists who also compose music. The composing of music was so confusing to me. I think it's like kind of a delightful idea, but I don't understand like how that works. Well, that's the kind of thing of like, <laughs> if you're going to tell me the whales compose music, maybe show me that. Don't yeah. show me their migration cycle. I don't fucking care. Whales do that here. I guess I guess whales we say whales sing in yeah whale well song no but i just i wanted to hear those compositions yeah uh also another thing that i was confused about the sea people is that clearly they have fish that are their friends yes but like they're also hunt fish so like how which like how do you eat some fish it's and weird, you're friends with other see fish them eat? but they do go hunting for they fish. do we see because he trains his son on, on yeah. to fish but we never really see them eat, and we don't know how they go to the bathroom. We do not know so much about, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> the stuff we learned last time was weird enough. They fuck with their hair. Um, so, like, they fuck with their hair, but they also commune with things with their hair. Yes. Seems like. it, it's basically as if when I got in my car, I shoved my dick into the dashboard. <laughs> That is, they they fuck with their hair, but they also use their hair to strap into their dragons. Wow. Wow, this is quite amazing. Look, it's a different world. I it's, know. It's Pandora, baby. You just gotta yeah. get with it. I, I long to go to that world where I, everyone gets a dick and they get to stick it into Well, stuff. everyone had a dick, but Stephen Lang bit them all off. You gotta see the first movie. Oh, damn it. You're right. I keep forgetting. It's over. So That's 45 minutes of the runtime of the first one. Just biting. It's just one after one. Each character walks <laughs> up and Stephen Lang bites their dick Oh, off. so it's like a line. They do it willfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they persuade. Them. They say that he will leave your planet if you allow our corporal to eat your dicks. 
But are, are they real dicks or are they hair dicks? Well, that's the thing. A few of the Navi uh, bring out, like, get strap-ons mm. to try to trick him so they can save their dicks. Okay. And once the humans find out about the trickery, that's when the war escalates. Ah, I see, I see. Because, like, they're like, oh... There's no way he'd be able to tell what real dick tastes like. It's crazy. Then he's like, ha ha, I yeah. did the same thing in Vietnam. I know what dicks yep. taste and like. Yep, and it was foreshadowed in the scene earlier because it was Jake's idea and they were talking about strap-ons earlier in the movie. So he sees Jake and he realizes it's happening. Okay. Like, it's crazy you don't know this because this was the clip they showed at the Oscars when, oh, they, yeah. when this was nominated for, the first was nominated for Best Picture. Of course, of course. Well, I mean, in that one, I was more obsessed with Precious running away with chicken. So I had. Was that? It was, was the 2009 same Precious? Precious. Based on the novel uh, Push, Push by, by Sapphire. And also in Education and in Glorious Bastards and The Hurt Locker. And I think a bunch more because that was the first right. year where they he did lost like to his ex wife. Yeah. I remember. But this was the first I year. I was in post, elementary school. Like, yeah. Post like Dark Knight when people got upset that it didn't get nominated and they're like, okay, now we'll have ten movies, you know. Oh, was it? That was the <laughs> yeah, first. Yeah, that was the tenor? first year. Yeah. And it went to the Hurt Locker. Yeah, you know. Bringing us the the uh, Jeremy Renner, the era of the Renera. The Renera. The era of Renner. <laughs> when was the last time you logged into your Jeremy Renner app, John? Uh, and, well, I I. I've been talking to a girl on the Jeremy Renner app. Uh, we've, we've, we're going to go out when I get back. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is the girl Jeremy Renner? Uh, no, we're just, we're just two Renheads. We're just wow. two big. We're going to a Ren fair. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we got yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to dress, dress up as his character from a, a, a ghost, <laughs> ghost Nation or whichever Mission Impossible. Ghost Protocol? Thing. Ghost Protocol. I should know the name. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Uh, after the first. The first is the best by far. Well, no. Even I say, though I love them all. I say Ghost Protocol is better than the first one, actually. I Ooh, love Ghost Protocol. I love that first one. Well, I mean, no. I love the first one, too. Nothing's going to beat great. that Langley sequence. I mean, no. There's so much. Nah. Come on. Like, the the Borja Khalifa It's stuff? great. No, it's up there. That's why my, <laughs> the fourth is my favorite, because the fourth is my second favorite, because it's the, it's the one after the first... The best part of the Mission Impossible movies are the set pieces. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the fourth one has the best set pieces after the first one. Mm. I think just like I think the uh, the fourth one clicked better as a movie for me. Which I that's I the redhead. That's that's the redhead in you. Yeah, maybe maybe that's that was the secret sauce. I don't need Catherine Scott Thomas. I need Jeremy Renner. Or Kristen Scott, Kristen Scott Kristen. Thomas. And I, I also watch Slow Horses. She's in it. Don't you want to watch Emilio Estevez get his head crushed? Spoilers for the beginning of Mission Impossible 1. Oh, fuck. That's right. He is in it. Red I, Light, Green Light. I should have rewatched that movie. It's fun. It's, it's really good. It's really good. I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited really for good. the Mission Impossible. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, anyway... Do you have anything? Is else? that a sign that we that we're done talking about Avatar? <laughs> that we've like, talked about Mission Impossible for the past four minutes and have been way more excited about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, no. I want to sum up again. I have huge problems with the the characterization of this movie. The just lack of character arcs. But I would still say the other things are the action filmmaking, the visual effects, the world building is good enough and the ideas that aren't capitalized on are interesting enough i would still absolutely endorse going to see this in a big screen bring some edibles 
I, uh, well, I will say uh, a positive thing that I think he still is the best action director out there. Like all the sequence at the end on a sinking ship. Oh, I was so excited. He, g- he gave us a little Titanic there. I-, I was so excited. But also you could just tell the geography of all the fight sequences. Like all it's like it's so competently made. Like when it actually starts being an action movie, it's, you know you realize what still a great action director James Cameron is. I just wish that there was more to the story to engage me emotionally for three and a half hours. How about this? What (laughs) if, so we got James Cameron and we've got Steven Spielberg, two of our greatest visual storytellers currently working. Mm -hmm. What if, instead of Steven Spielberg, it was James Cameron who started a long partnership with Tony Kushner? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that could have been interesting. Though I would say the Kushner movies of Steven Spielberg have been the sappiest, too. It's sappiest, but they're still better written. I mean, Munich is fucking good. But I feel like, yeah. Is the Fame Bowman's Kushner, too? Yeah. Oh, I want to see that. I want to see the Tony Kushner written Avatar movie where we yeah. go, we leave the water people and we go find the Jewish <laughs> Navi clan. Oh, yeah. They all have AIDS. <laughs> they're all recovering from AIDS. He won the Pulitzer for uh, Angels in America, (laughs) if anyone didn't get that reference. Yeah, sorry, this is not just a random. (laughs) Having AIDS is not a Jewish stereotype. No, 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 no. (laughs) Happy Hanukkah, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be interesting. I would be curious if uh, James Cameron ever lets one, like, writer's vision that is not his own be the screenplay and he would just direct it. I, I would be into that. I think the story beats are interesting here and the conflicts that are set up for all the characters are genuinely interesting. I you, I had I feel the hand of stronger writers, mm-hmm. but I feel like at the end of the day James Ca- what James Cameron is most interested in is not that stuff. No. So even though he was smart enough to hire those people and take their input, I feel like the other stuff uh, overwhelms all of that and to the movie's detriment. Yeah. Want to grade it? Sure. All right. All right. Boy, this is tough. It's tough. (laughs) If I could grade separate parts of it, (laughs) like if I could grade how it sounds like just looking up from time to time, it's an A+. (laughs) But... uh, yeah, all right, let's do it. Right. Three. Three, two, one. C plus. B plus. I forgot how we used to do this in person. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say I will grade the special effects A, A plus, uh, and I will uh, grade the storytelling as an F, which okay. is how we end up at a C plus. Um, okay, what, uh, what else have you been watching? Well, John, uh, I have seen actually a bunch of movies, most of them on planes, uh, but I've seen The Menu, not on a plane, and I think we talked about it maybe last time, actually. Never mind. The Menu. I saw it. I saw Bullet Train, finally, and I thought it was fine. It was, (laughs) you know, it was on a plane. Brad Pitt is really good, and there's a lot of actors from Atlanta in it, which made me very happy. Uh, Miss Congeniality and First Wife's Club, which I rewatched, and they're still as delightful as ever. Uh, I saw the B.J. Novak-directed movie Vengeance. Oh, about like the true crime podcast? Yeah, which I thought was actually quite good. Uh, it's I think it's on a streaming service of some kind. 
I saw The Nightmare Before Christmas for the first time and really liked most everything except for the song lyrics. She did not <laughs> she did not love it, so you can discount all of her opinions on Avatar. <laughs> she did not love Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh I rewatched Die Hard, uh, and it's still great. And uh I saw Jingle All the Way for the first time and was very, very confused. Though what, I what will led say you overall to watch that? Well, I don't know. I wanted to see a Christmas movie I've never seen before. And someone made the argument that Jingle All the Way is like very confusing but entertaining. And I guess I can see that. I was definitely more entertained by it than Avatar, The Way of Water. So there's that. You heard it here first. James Cameron's (laughs) former leading man, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Better film. (laughs) Jingle All the Way. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that. I just feel like in its way more limited screen time, it graded on me way less. All right. Fair, fair, fair. John, what have you seen? Okay. Our last episode was Black Panther, right? Yes. Okay. So since then, I saw Banshees of Inishirin. Loved it. It's great. Oh, yeah. I think you talked about it last time, too. Is that possible? When did we record record the last episode? Oh, you know what? We might have because we recorded the... I had seen Black Panther a ways before you, right? Yeah. Well, I loved it. Did I talk about seeing Event Horizon? It's, it no. wasn't good. Oh. I'd never seen it before. That's my mid-90s random watch. You know, I'd That's... heard that movie's gotten a, a big cult following in the years since. Mm-hmm. You know what? Sometimes that happens with movies, and sometimes the cult is wrong. <laughs> um, only sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh, I saw uh, The Fablemans. Oh, um, I want to see that. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, uh, it's not my favorite recent Spielberg. I liked uh, Wet Side Story more. But uh, the way I would describe The Fablemans, The Fablemans is like listening to a father of the bride speech at a wedding where it's like kind of rambling and kind of all over the place. But like the emotions are so sincere that you're like, oh, that's so sweet. Aww. Um, uh, I loved all... Just... It's such a weirdly paced movie. It's just, you, it feels like him just constantly being like, let me tell you about someone else who is great. <laughs> like 90% of the way through the movie, they introduce a girlfriend character who has nothing to do with any of the other characters and give her multiple lengthy scenes. Aww. And she's one of the best characters in the movie. Um, all right. I also saw the menu. Um, I liked it, but did not love it. What I do think is it would have, it would could still be, but would have been a fucking awesome play. I wish it was a play. Yeah, it did feel kind of staged. Can you imagine if you saw all of that live, and so like you see all the things? Because also all the scenes outside of the restaurant, it felt like if it was an adaptation of a play, the scenes you add in. Oh yeah. Like I knew nothing important was going to happen in those scenes, so I'm like, just get back to the restaurant and imagine if. He's giving all those speeches about audiences not uh, appreciating his art, but he's making direct eye contact with a live theater audience. Oh, mm. it would have been so great. That would have been great. Maybe he'll do that once he's done being Robert Moses. Who's being Robert? Ray Fiennes. He's playing Robert Moses in The Shed. Oh. Well, The Shed is the theater. I forget the name of it. Uh, but yeah, there's a play about Robert Moses. I'm sure it'll be a, a positive depiction of a good guy. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what we're all hoping Famous for. good dude, <laughs> Robert Moses. Right up there with Oppenheimer and good effects on the world. Uh, no, uh, Oppenheimer. Well, okay. <laughs> not good. Um, uh, and then the other day I saw Violent Night, the David Harbour, Santa Claus is real and is in a Die Hard movie. You know, it is better it's good. It's good. The people I saw it with loved it. 
I liked it a lot. I wish it was allowed itself to be a little more outrageous. A few times it was a few times it was outrageous as it could be, and those sequences were great. It very much feels like a feature length South Park or Rick and Morty episode, but I feel like both of those shows would have taken the joke to a few weirder places to surprise you. Mm-hmm. And I wish the movie did that. But that's nitpicking. Uh, it's genuinely very fun, and I love that a movie like that got a theatrical release. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going back to L.A. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to New Jersey. Then More LA. exciting. Yeah. Uh, what, what are we doing on our next... I go, we go, eventually, we're going to do a Best of the Year episode. Yeah, we're probably going to do an old movie first mm-hmm. to allow us to catch up on all the lovely releases. But then we'll do a Best of. Oh That's goodness. it. Oh Let's goodness. be more cryptic about it because I feel like we keep promising episodes that we never end up. That's doing. fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Let's not say. <laughs> Maybe we should start pre-announcing on like our social media or something. That's true. That's better. Yeah. Let's discuss this on pod. This is good. Yeah. This do you want to talk stuff. logistics? This is this is how the sausage gets made. This is. I love the denouement to this. Episode. We're in the same room. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Anyway, back to Zoom for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.